from the bench to the bleachers, you are listening to the only podcast in Ontario that keeps you in the game. Four, three, two, one. All right, let's do this. My next guest on In the Game is the son of legendary doctor and surfer Doc. Paskowitz. Yes, that is Adam Paskowitz, the lead singer of the band known as The Flies. Adam and his family have been trekking around the world, and I've been able to catch up with them now. There we go. You can hear me, eh? How's that, eh? Not bad, Adam. How you doing? I got to say this first. I finally got you where I want you. Oh, <laughs> on, oh, the, oh, on, on the show, man. So I guess I have Tracy to thank for that. Probably is she the one that was messing? Yeah, with she's my wife. She like she used to be our tour manager back in the day. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, no, I I want to thank you for jumping on the show. Um, yeah, it's been like a month and a half. I've I've had some really good guests in in between trying to get you on the show, and uh, actually some of the guests know you. <laughs> so uh, it was it was it's pretty unique to to see. Uh, how small the world is out there, right? But let's uh, let's kick things off with where are you now? Like a lot of people that don't uh, know you per se outside of the band, The Flies. I mean, that's how I first knew you was we used to sing acoustic tunes. We used to rock out to you guys. But as I looked you up years ago, I noticed the surfing. I noticed the... Uh, yeah, I'll hate the term environmentalist. It's more conservationist. Um, and you're traveling. Where are you now? Well, we ended up in New Zealand. Um, you know, we took a boat uh, pretty much two-thirds of the way around the world. And then uh, some crazy New Zealander guy bought our boat. And so we headed back to the United States. And we did uh, actually a lot, of, a lot of travel in Canada. We went from the Cook Islands okay. to... Pretty much, we went up to, you know, that area called the Great Bear Rainforest? Yep, yep. And we made amazing friends up there with uh, the people. And so we just stayed there for a long period of time. And uh, we pretty much we starved <laughs> because, like, you know, it's so funny. Like, we really did, like, what, you know, your basic, uh, you know, white guy does you know you go to an area like you can't figure it out you starve and then uh first asian guy comes up and is like hey what are you doing you're you're not doing it right so anyway we made huge friends up there and, and that's where we stayed well you know this whole as we roll into all this you know the the whole coronavirus and everything so now we're in southern california just hanging out waiting for this to kind of end in some ways we have taken some some norcal trips northern california but in general we are in southern california now we're looking for a new boat and um uh you know we're kind of riding this out we had plans to go do a really uh, great submarine trip with the guys from triton submarines and uh, you know it just you know that that just it just fell apart. You know? Your your story it's unique, right? Like 
as a child growing up, uh, so I live in Ontario, uh, you know, farm area, it's caught in the middle of, um, you know, industrial and city like Toronto, right? Um, but we spent time in the Muskokas or up in Algonquin in Ontario, which was, uh, you know, it's parks, right? It's, it's uh, lakes. And as a child, I spent a lot of the time on a boat wearing moccasins, trekking through the bushes, uh, fish, fishing. Um, so right away, there's my youth came back to me when I started following what you were doing, my youth, something I lost, right? I mean, something I was passionate about, which, you know, is hunt, woods hunting or fishing or living on nothing. Um, yeah. That whole, uh, it's, as soon as I saw what you were doing with your family, I was like, this guy, this guy's amazing, right? Uh, you know, I, it's an excuse that society as a whole is using why they can't do that. Um, and, and when I'm seeing you guys go out there, you know, let, let, let's explain to the listeners or the viewers first when we air this that you guys sold everything off as a family. Um, you would have had some royalties probably coming in from music, yeah. correct? Yeah. Now, now, you guys, when you started this, did you have any of your children at that time? Yeah, yeah. So I have my son, Doc, who was named after my dad, Doc Paskowitz, Dorian Doc Paskowitz, who was like one of the first surfers in you know, Southern California and subsequently the world. Um, and uh, so uh, right after we had Doc, we were traveling around in an Airstream, kind of like living the sort of reinvention of like what I had been raised in a camper with all my brothers and sisters surfing in Southern California and throughout the world. And then so we sort of did that. But then we realized like, God, like we haven't pushed the envelope at all. I had this long talk with my dad and he was like, look, son, you know, maybe what it is, is that maybe you do it by boat. So we started with a sailboat and we learned to sail and we sold everything we had. I took all my music gear, everything, and I just put it all into this boat, uh, which was like a 50 foot old, 50 foot sailboat. And we learned to sail in, uh, in uh, Florida and then we crossed the Gulf. And so we, we, we very quickly, you know, because I'd been a waterman my whole life, uh, it was a nice fit. I, I, I remember my wife saying to me, you know, there's very little difference between the, being the lead singer of a band and being a, a pirate captain, like just being a captain, right? So I was like, because when my career was starting to wind down, uh, I, well, I should say when the whole music business started to wind down, right? All of rock music was winding down. It wasn't just us. I was like, damn, what else am I going to do? And she was like, well, if you think about it, like being the you know, leader of a band is a lot like being the captain of a boat. You deal with everything and anything and you learn to adapt. And so we very quickly adapted and that's what started it. You know, We went out into the open ocean. We, we took these huge, I realize now, risk being so novice. And then I had my daughter, you know, fancy and... Uh, so, you know, there was four of us just cruising along. And then we had the opportunity with a, a friend of ours to, um, to then go even one step bigger. So my friend Renee and, and, and her two kids, and we just said, okay, let's just try to go real far. And that was the opportunity to travel like vast, vast open oceans distances. We really, you know, 23 days at sea and like all the, the most... Uh, remote places that a person could go. Uh, at that point, we came across what we couldn't believe, which was an enormous amount 
of floating debris in the water and it was primarily plastic pollution. And it just changed us. We were just like, what the hell? How can you ignore this? And so that became, you know, our, our thing. You know, I know that like, like the, us, the Pasquitzes, we're not invent, reinventing the environmental like space, you know? Um, but what we are trying to do is just like the way my dad is like encourage people that, you know, uh, there is this needed vehicle to change the way people do business. And, you know, it's a shame the coronavirus really hit in a way that, you know, today's, you know, this is a plastic free July, but even myself, I find uh, I'm just not that as worried about using less plastic when your basic health comes into mind. And we're still trying to do all these things, but in the reality of life, it's, it's pretty tough to, uh, to deal as an adventurer, as a person of the sea, and then to see, you know, you got to ignore it and you ignore it for a while and then you just can't ignore it anymore. So it really made a huge impact. We sold our boat. We came back. We said, okay, we're putting together a foundation with a group of people that let's go try and make an impact on some of the smaller islands, uh, really remote places that had no fault of this whole plastic thing. And um, that's why we were going to, to uh, the guys in Spain, the Triton submarines and... Um, uh, uh, they got some amazing equipment that, that is helpful in that. We've partnered with waste management on some new technology. And so that's where we stand, um, you know, four months ago before this all went down. But I, I feel like it's still very rock and roll, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, I, we went up to a, a blue lake, I think it was called, Blue Jay Lake, which is in the Southern Bentic. And we got our asses kicked. On like a biblical level, right? We had to be rescued, ran out of gas. Like, I mean, for real. Like, but that, but, but that adds excitement, right? I mean, oh it, yeah. I mean, it would be boring, right? Like life, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We have an old Land Rover, you know. One of the and we just like drove it to. I didn't, you know. I, we just ran out of gas. We flat out ran out of gas, and uh, you know, it made me realize. But my son said, my son Doc was like, you know, Paul. A breaking down in, on the land is like, uh, you just wait for someone to rescue you. Breaking down at sea, you just wait for, to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that helped. Uh, so we, like, when we think about some of the great places that we want to go, uh, there are some amazing uh, places along that north of Vancouver Island, you know, like, 200, 300, 400 miles north. And there's all those places where it's just like, I mean, there's more bears than people. It's very, very gorgeous up there. Nanaimo, uh, Nanaimo, the islands, all all gorgeous places. Yeah. So we're huge fans. So, And when I cross the border, when I cross the border, my favorite line ever, when I cross the border on our truck and the guy says to me, hey, uh, so have you got any, uh, uh, you're not carrying any weapons or any guns <laughs> or any ammo? I go, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, I am. So my question for you is, you know, like you, you talked about your kids being on the boat. You talked about them kind of uh, evolving with you. I have to give you credit because we pulled, again, we're different than you, right? Because you live that lifestyle and I wish I was in that lifestyle. But we pulled our son uh, out, of the, out of the public education system. Right. Uh, our son is, uh, is in a private system that's a little better in my opinion. But your system to me would be the best. 
meaning you're you're probably homeschooling the kids or doing the basics that they need okay there's no there's yeah there's no indoctrination going on there's um you know kids will see postcards with the ocean or pictures your kids are seeing it firsthand with the pollution. Your kids are learning how to tie, whether it's sailing knots, they're learning how to hunt or they're learning how to dive and snorkel. Those are survival skills that if we went into town right now and grabbed kids that were your age and if I could get them off their iPhones and, and everything else, I don't think they could survive a week in the woods alone. Whereas your kids, right. when they get to be adults, will have a better fighting chance of being able to adapt in many situations. Do you, do you agree? Oh yeah, well, I th I think it's the ability to love learning. Like learning, like well, learning is hard. Like uh, I took, I, I became a captain. Um, I figured, like if I'm gonna call myself a captain, I have to have a license. So I went, I U.S. Coast Guard school, the whole bit. Uh, became a captain. Excuse me. <laughs> you, did you get you got your scuba license too? Your, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. and all that, all that, right? So, so I I became a captain. Oh no, look at this. Guy. Cutie. <laughs> I became a That's right. and it's hard. Um, it, was one of the, it was the hardest thing I ever did. And, um, but what my dad taught me and I taught, have, I believe my wife and I have taught our kids is the desire to know that mm -hmm. learning sometimes is hard and it's, and, uh, and it, the, the desire to learn is sort of something you put in your back pocket. And then if all of a sudden you have to figure out how to start a fire in the rain, or you have to fix a car and you've never done any of those things, you have the ability to really quickly adapt and learn. Like when I was raised uh, in my house, we had none schooling. My dad raised us just on whatever you assimilate from the world, which was basically, um, you know, he was a doctor and he took all nine kids and us around in a camper. And so we learned what we saw in the world. So if we were in uh, Eagle Butte, Montana, or we were in Portales, New Mexico, or the south of uh, deep, dark parts of Mexico, um, we learned what we learned. Uh, he never opened a book, but he, he never said, oh, this is how to do math. But he, he forced us through the process to have a desire to learn. So when it came time, um, um, I also have an electrical license. When it came time for me to take my electrical exam, uh, I didn't, you know, I'd never even done algebra in my life, but I had the desire and the ability to learn. And so I adapted and I quickly learned, quickly passed that. I, I, I see the same thing in doc and fancy and, 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 God willing and Solomon is that the desire to learn. It's very hard. It's very hard. When, um, and I have total respect for people that can do it. And I, cause I know I'm not one of those people who sit in a classroom with a bunch of other people and have one uh, thing told to you. And then to be able to assimilate that and to digest that and get something from it and to God forbid, even remember it. But, um, but when you learn lessons the hard way uh, through nature, they seem to stick. And most importantly, it's that ability to adapt and to learn quickly. So you may not know everything. And I'm sure if I put my kids in school, which I have, they have little gaps here and there. Uh, but their ability to catch up is, is just boggling. 
it's boggling how fast they catch up because it's like, oh, that's the task. Um, but that's, that's, that's because they, in my opinion, probably have been taught to think outside of the box most oh, of yeah. their life. And, and, and like you said about growing and learning, failure has to do with a, a lot of it. And in the public school systems, we're not failing kids. We're pushing them through. Right. So, so nature, like you said, gives you challenges, gives you obstacles. You will succeed, but you will fail. But if you find another way to do it, you grow and learn and adapt. Yeah. I, I remember we were in, in Tahiti and I cleaned out one of the large water strainers that brings in salt water that cools the boat and all this stuff. And I, I lost the top of it. The top of this big strainer, it was like I called, I got on the phone, and it was like three weeks. It was a lot of money, and and um, I was sitting there thinking, God, you know, it's 80 feet down. It's super clear. I took, I, I, I did a big dive. I got to about 65 feet. I could see it, and I could not make it. And I was just like, damn, you know. So I thought, okay, how long will it take me to train to get down to this thing, right? I can see the stupid thing because the water's so clear. And I'm sitting on the, on, the, on the swim step of my boat thinking about how long this is going to take me. And my son, Doc, had just gone down to a, to a marina and found a guy who had scuba and was like, my dad will pay you $20 if you just go get this. And, and I was just like, I didn't even think of that. And in one minute, the guy came down and he came up with like eight pairs of sunglasses too. Uh, I gave the guy did, twenty. Did you get to keep? A, did you keep any of the pairs at all? Or yeah. <laughs> but that was just like I thought to myself, my gosh, now that is an adaptive kid. I'll send you the picture. Of sure, him. it's hysterical. He's like nine years old. He's like, Dad, you're going to take two weeks to be able to dive another, you know, twenty feet down. This guy did it in like three minutes. So that's the kind of adaptive thing. And and believe me, that applies in any line of business, in any line of, of uh, whether you're, you're highly educated or self-educated or whether you're a man of your hands, a man of your mind, the ability to think outside of the box is the difference today, at least in my opinion, between those that sort of muddle around in middle management and those that all of a sudden just launch, um, uh, you know, even, 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 even things like Facebook and all these companies by individual thinkers, guys that think outside of the box, men and women that, that, you know, uh, just think so differently. I have a friend who's a, she's a, uh, um, a free diver uh, and she calls herself a, a, a spear fishing woman. And she's like, I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Her name's Kimmy Werner. And she, and like, she created an entire world. I so brilliant. Like I shoot fish. I'm she, but I would never think like outside of the box like her. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I am. Therefore I am like, I created my own entire genre. I'm a spear beer fisher woman and i just think that's a product of just like great mental thought and so i know one thing that my kids have that like wow they are just you know they've never been on computers and all that and like lately they've you know done that and it's like they are just instantaneous whizzes on it yeah. you know yeah so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that part of it it's not for everybody right education is not a one-size-fits-all but for us uh, traveling around the world and world schooling with some hard STEM, you know, stuff really has been a great uh, connection. 
So going around the world and traveling, uh, obviously lets you meet people, lets you yeah. meet different people. Uh, you create friendships, you create bonds. Um, if I read right, like you guys have, have you done some charity stuff or you got organizations as well that are happening? Can you tell me a bit about that stuff? Well, I've always, I've helped my brother out for years. Uh, Izzy, my brother Izzy has a nonprofit for kids with autism and I'm just a flunky. I just help him when I can. Uh, but I'm, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. Like talk about thinking outside the box. He has an autistic son and uh, he found that when he took him surfing, it just changed his life. And now, you know, I, I mean, it's been 20 some odd years. Uh, I remember people used to just laugh at us and laugh at him, the idea that, you know, what's the value in this? And today uh, I run into people that have full-time um, therapy uh, degrees. And now we know that water therapy and ocean therapy is such a major part uh, of, of a calming effect on kids with special needs and people with PTSD and the Wounded Warriors Project. Um, so well, I, I'm correct. like super correct. proud of that connection. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a surfing uh, like whiz by any chance or know a ton about it as you do, but didn't you have a champion or didn't we have a guy that was a young guy up there that had uh, Asperger's syndrome or? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Clay Marzo. He's a yeah. Mars. And you know, he, 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 uh, you know, uh, arguably the best surfer in the world. I mean, uh, yeah. They, they, they thought something was wrong with them, right? Like, like the, the yeah. documentary I saw was, you know, this guy's an idiot, the way he doesn't talk, sponsors wanted to drop him. And then when they found out, uh, you know, and he had some certain, you know, the ocean's probably more the therapy than anything for him, but it, he's in his own place out there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think like, you know, if Clay would have been what you call like a, uh, like a typical person, he would definitely have been world champ. There's not even a question. He is probably uh, the most exciting surfer, pure free surfer that, that anyone's ever seen. And, and I'm friends with all, you know, Kelly Slater and all those yep. guys. And I think we all could agree on that. Like Clay Marzo is probably one of the most uh, dynamic surfers in the world. Uh, you know, he had mannerisms that people used to just think he was, you know, dumb. Yep. And, uh, yep. and in reality, he, he was just, you know, he had his own way about him. And I think, I think that's what we're learning now is like, uh, you know, people don't fit into perfect categories and um, uh, I really admire him and I admire his whole family. And I think that that's uh, a good example of like uh, ocean, uh, the, the healing aspect of the ocean. I have a friend who uh, really just an acquaintance, his name is uh, Jade Nichols and he's has a book called The Blue Mind, B-L-U-M-I-N-D, Blue Mind. And he really it take, takes apart scientifically how water changes us and how it, you know, makes our minds work in clearer ways. My dad used to say he'd go into the ocean, ready to blow his brains out, and then he'd come out like a new man. And I do think that that is a real effect. I think that it applies to typical folks and people with special needs, people people on the on the spectrum. And I think that um, I think that's an underused. Um, uh, anomaly and and powerful thing. I, I I think if you can get that, if you can see that book, Blue Mind, get it because 
it really puts into perspective why like even jumping in a bath or a pool why that just does something special to you or a lake or a river anything well you know what I've never now. I played semi-pro hockey. I was banged up a lot. I have I'm 41 now, so the aches are starting to come. Um, I have never felt any better. I know it's synthetic, like it's not you know like the Dead Sea or or whatever. But I went into a deprivation tank, like a saltwater float tank. Oh, when I came out of there, I had no stress in my body. I had no literally no pain for several weeks. Um, part of it was the floating. Um, due to the salt on basically you're in your correct gravitation like gravity gravity pulls us down that's why we're like this right so when you're floating you're in your neutral position you're supposed to be in your body it hurts at after 40 minutes but once you get out of there i mean that water and the salt i've never i, I swear by it people keep coming up to me and say what's this thing uh like you float what's this float thing right and i'm like a salt water tank or a pod or a incredible. oh you yeah. can me i meditate in there fall asleep and float and when i get out of there i there's not a care in the world to me <laughs> well for my dad my dad that that was uh, hawaii it was like my dad when he was when he, be, he became a doctor he had a lot of stress on him uh, and he, you know he was a big successful doctor in southern in in hawaii and uh then he like quit it all gave up everything and he decided that he was going to like walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And he went out to, to uh, Israel and Jordan and Egypt and Lebanon. And he like, uh, he like found the ocean there. And part of that was the Dead Sea. And yeah. he used to say floating in the Dead Sea was like, you know, it was so incredible that he lived there. Like he, he posted up there, you know, this is like in the early 50s. Can you imagine what it was like? You know, in, in, in 1950, 19, even earlier, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was 90 what? When, when he passed? 93. He was 93, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Long time, I mean, long time ago for sure. Where the lines were all different. And, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, you could travel even freer then than you can now. But I, I do really believe that we do. And I think this co coronavirus, I think the COVID whole experience is like, shown us that um, sort of the before and after of the effect of being indoors a lot. And I, I definitely feel like as a culture, the importance of getting out um, into whatever that special space is for us. I, I mean, I know guys, you know, for me, it's the ocean. Like that's my thing. But I know a ton of people that, you know, it's, it's the woods and it's, uh, or, or like I know a guy, he's like into the desert, like just crazy into the desert or the rivers or, but what, so whatever is that, you, whatever is your bond to nature, like, I think it's really important that we do that like regularly and we do it with uh, sort of an intensity that sort of gives us, like brings us back. Like we kind of get lost, like, you know, like. Is, is, it a, is it a magnetic field, nature? Is it, is it I, mindfulness? Um, you know, I, I met a guy and I, I don't believe in this kind of stuff, but I met a guy that was like, uh, I can't remember what he was. He was, a he was a numeric, like yeah. numerological guy. Right. And, <laughs> he be like, and I don't believe in that, but no. he did say one thing to me that I was like, was really wild. He said, are there any waves around the world that you just, you just, you and that spot match. 
And I was like, oh my God, yeah. Like they're like, I've never, like Huntington Beach, like I, outside of a few rare contests, I, gosh, Huntington and I, I just can't figure it out. But like there are, like uh, there are beaches in Hawaii and Malibu. I'm just like locked. I don't know what it is. And then he like, he, he looked at the, uh, the direction of all those waves. Like, and they all pointed like Northwest or something. He's like, so for you, that's your space. Like that's where you and your space are in line. So I don't know if I believe that it's magnetism as much as just like, well, you hear, you hear about the bare feet, walking bare feet and, and grounding. And yeah. I, and I know people that swear by it like a ton, like, and this is people like you see a crap load of like even bass guitar players and bands like Chris Novoselic, all these guys would always be wearing bare feet. And, and I know people that say one, it obviously hardens up your feet and, and, yeah. and shoes are actually worse for us and our posture than bare feet. Right. right. So, so right. they talk. They talk about the grounding with the with the earth, right? I don't know. I, so, I think that definitely everybody has that spot where they're just a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more in tune. For me, that spot is like the ocean. For a lot of people, though, like you know, it could be, you know, the it, it could be the baseball diamond. I know I have a guy, you know, like. I, I know guys that like play baseball a lot and like they don't even feel normal unless or hockey players like the ice, right? <laughs> yeah. My buddy, my best friend in the world, my best friend in the world is a goalie. He's short and uh, he, 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 so uh, he's got to be crazy then. Cause goalies are he is not crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's the craziest person in the world that they met. And, and he, he like played semi pro his whole life. And then he, uh, he got an offer during, I can't remember what it was, like, I don't know, it was a strike or whatever it was he got from the, from the, was it the Kings or the Ducks? I'm like, dude, you always wanted to play the Kings, go to the trial. He's like, dude, I'm not going to do that. I go, why? He's like, I'm too crazy. <laughs> like, what? Like, he, he, he is like, he finds his, his moment on the ice. And, you know, it's a little scary. He's also a, a commercial airplane pilot. So that's, uh, that's a little scary, but his spot, his, his, where he's like in balance, where he finds balance is, is, is on the ice. And that, that brings me to this point, which I think is something my dad said that I think is just crazy important. Uh, he, my dad was always in search of being a round peg in a round hole, being a square peg in a square hole. I think that that's what my life has been about. It's been about finding my shape and finding where my shape fits. Not trying to change myself, but just trying to fit in where it fits in. I, I was raised without money, without education, without um, a real understanding of the way um, the modern world worked. I was raised like, a, my brothers and I like wolves. But my dad gave us these gifts that, that they were like, they were like presents that, when you open them in the right places, they were just magical. You know, when I went to Tahiti and, and you know, surfed in these places, I, I just, I was just so at ease. And, 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 uh, and people would say to me, oh, go, be careful, you know, you go there, you know, you get in trouble or whatever. And I, I just had this feeling paddling out, you know, big group of guys. And I was just like, I was just like, it was like I opened that box that my dad had given me, which is like, you know, who I am, what I'm about as a waterman, as a surfer, 
as an athlete. And I, I, I never had a problem. And, 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 and I feel like that's like just such a radical gift, the ability to adapt. That's such a radical gift, the ability to say, to, to, oh, that's how much work it takes. That's how much work I'm going to put in. I think that, that being a round peg in a round hole is the sort of secret of life. So if you were a hockey player, then damn, if you, you know, that sounds right. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, Bob Brady. Well, that's what I said. You know, like the one that got Gretzky and you got Rob Blake. Rob Blake uh, is actually the general manager of the Los Angeles Kings right now. And he's actually from my hometown. So it's uh, a little bit of a connection. But my, my question to you is, so you guys are trekking or like I can even use the term globe trotting. You take your family, you're going, you're going everywhere. This, this is a big question for me that I want to ask you because it ties with society and people in general. Do you worry about tomorrow? or what is next, or how am I going to get by, or does, do any, does anything worry you, or is it a state of mindfulness that this is what we live for? Um, well, I think the, the short answer is yes, I worry. I worry a lot. Uh, but but is it a worry like where everyone is slugging to the cubicles in the city? They have a mortgage, they have debt, they have a car, they have kids. You know that stress. Like the short answer for me or question for me is is that you know like mental illness. Like you got to think a lot of society is coming down with these things because of prescription drugs, social media, stress, work. Instead of I look at you now and you say you worry about tomorrow, but you're probably in a safer spot than half a society is. Do you agree or? I think that my worries are more basic, right? And so because of that, I don't think that my, I don't think the type of worry that I have um, when it's, I think my, your body, I think, you know, look, we live in these bodies. Yep. This is what we got. Um, I don't think that the human body was designed to um, live in these massive um, cities and, I, don't, I think they break down, and I totally agree with you for all those reasons you said. I think that most people that find themselves in life and death situations, uh, it ties on a part of our, uh, our psyche that uh, doesn't affect us in the same way. I, I, you know, your brain and your, and, your, and your nervous system are connected but also separate. So a lot of times when I worry as you might say worry i uh, part of my body i feel like that is worried about that is my instinct and so uh it doesn't like it's not the same kind of uh of worry i worry about weather i worry about about uh, you know the kids and things like that but those are directly in line with uh you know the body that i have and the mind that i have and it and it fits me i don't um I feel like uh, I, I don't have answers for the ills of society. I don't have them. And I'm sure that if I um, was in a full-time situation and doing the same things that most people do, I would have the exact same issues. Yeah. But I just simply don't because I don't do those things. And so my worries, is, you know, whether it's at sea or in the ocean, I'm worried about safety. And that's a pretty basic thing to worry about you know i do worry about you know breakdowns and, and rogue waves and, and well and your like kids that. right your kids and your yeah. wife i mean those are that's your life right 
But that's all that I feel like part of your body that takes care of that is also like your instinct. Like you could be asleep and like your kid will move and you like, it's not your brain. It's kind of like your instinct. Yeah. And so it's not my, it's not always on my, my uh, psyche, like um, fear and worry. A lot of my body takes care of a lot of that, you know, just, just by, you know, just by over and over, you know, like I, I, I always say all the time, you know, I used to say to Doc, we started surfing, my, my son and I would say, hey, we're going to fall. One day you're, you're going to fall. You're going to go underwater. You're going to pop right back up. I will be right there. One day we will fall, but not this day, you know, that some other day, not this day. And I think like that speed instinct that you develop as an athlete, so much of it happens, you know, by second nature. And so I think that has... That's a big difference. That's a huge difference between uh, stress and and worry. Stress is like, uh, you know, the the stress, version. You yeah, stress is something you can't control that you allow to happen, and right. wor worry you can kind of yeah, you, right? fear even more so. Like you know, all the guys that I know that ride big waves, like they mitigate fear. You know, I, I I had a conversation with one of my favorite surfers. This guy, his name's Mikey Red. He's in Hawaii, and he's a big, tall Irish guy, right? You wouldn't expect him to be such a charger at Pipeline. And we had this, like, long conversation about mitigating fear. And after literally an hour and a half of talking about how to deal with big wipeouts and all that, he finally just said to me, you know what? I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute yeah After well all this? as long as he's not getting raked across the, yeah. the, the rocks and coral he's good and he's like i'm like that is the wisdom you're imparting on me you <laughs> like it <laughs> so, oh. so so adam are you you know what given your life now and i because i want to talk about your dad because your dad means a, a lot and i mean obviously your, your mom too and um are you thankful you're, you're obviously thankful your dad walked away from a suit right are you thankful that he walked away from a suit? And I mean, you, you wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't have the lifestyle that you did. Um, I mean, he made that choice to, to, like you said, to leave a profession and create his own path, which now years later, you have some wisdom. You have some wisdom in you to think for yourself as well. And now it's passing it on to your kids if he didn't walk away from that job, we, we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? Well, I wouldn't be here, right? What are the odds that a, you know, a, a Stanford doctor with a successful practice, like gives it all up and then spends the rest of his life working for free? My dad didn't retire from being a doctor. He just retired from the medical profession. So for the rest of his life, he took care of people basically for free. Humanitarian. And, yeah, humanitarian, right? Uh, like. Yeah. And, and also another thing that he gifted us that I think is so relevant today is my dad grew up in the South. He grew up in Texas. He was born and raised in Galveston in the thirties to the twenties and the thirties. So you can imagine what things like racism and sexism and, uh, and what he saw. My dad was the most pure um, uh, uh, human being in terms of his ability to judge someone by who they were. Never in our entire life, never in, in all of knowing him, did, did my dad ever, was the issue of race or gender or, and, and any of those biases that are so prevalent today and that were so, such an important 
conversation today. Can you imagine my dad being completely, I, I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, I was trying to think, who do I know that is really like, has a true pureness of the concept of, of, uh, of, of the way humanity could work? And it was my dad. Like in the 30s in Texas, he was a, a pure heart. And it must have been, like, I can't even imagine how he must have stood out like a sore thumb because he didn't see color. Uh, he didn't see the way uh, that he didn't judge, I should say, by color. And he was really remarkable. So we were raised with that also. You know, we wouldn't even be here if he didn't go on this journey. And the, that journey was he just, he wanted to enjoy his life and surfing was his space that he loved. So he figured, well, I just want to surf and I, I want to see the world with my family. And, you know, and it, he, he really was so ahead of his time with that concept. So today, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, carry the torch a little bit because um, it was awesome for me. Like, I just had the best childhood, and I've lived a freaking, I've lived a hundred lives already, and I'm so... so what is, what is it about surfing? What is it? Now, I, think like, I, I, used skate, I used to be a skateboarder, or I tried to. I was terrible. Maybe <laughs> a couple of ollies wipe out and, you know, grind, nose grinds. And, but what is, it, what is it about surfing? Well, I'll say this. For me, surfing is different. I, I love the ocean, and I was a competitive surfer. You know, remember, I'm sixth of nine kids, so by the time I come up, yeah. I just want to be like a – shredder guy right yeah yeah and, you know, so i went in hawaii and i surfed all those contests and i did very well and i kind of got burnt out like because i was just such in the competitive side of surfing uh surfing is such a broad sport and it, when it really is is uh, it's more like just a connection with the ocean and a connection with nature uh, i i you know obviously the, the ocean is full of surfers now and most guys don't really surf um you know, by a professional surfing standard uh, that well, but they're having a great time. And so for me, I've sort of, I, I don't know what it is about surfing. I know what it is about the ocean and about yeah. the yeah. water. For me. Yeah. I, uh, I, you, you, could you, you could just lay there, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm at that point, like where, um, you know, it's getting wet for me. I, I'm like an avid spear fisherman guy and i'm i'm also an avid like ocean trash picker upper guy and um and uh and i love i'm like i, I love like watching my kids surf a guy and i love taking my daughter out tandem guy uh do i need to get another set wave at malibu i don't know do i need to like i don't know if when i get out there i'm very competitive so it, it, it's like music for me i i, I like all the fun came out of music because it just became about like, you know, it became very competitive. And I was in music in a really kind of dumb time. You know, like, you know, 1999, 2000 was kind of, wasn't that great? I mean, we had Nirvana. Yeah. I had that discussion with Brian Vanderark last night from the verb pipe. He was on yeah. and, and uh, we talked about that period and, and he was in that 97, 98. That's when the song, the freshman came out for them uh, and yeah. just kind of went into, like he said, same thing. You, it was a, 
And then it went to like this rap, like, like Limp Bizkit, Limp Bizkit around like 2000, 2001. And he said, that just wasn't us. But to me, the nineties were amazing. Um, amazing times. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like 2000, it, it, the, 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 the bloom had come off the rose for me and uh, I was looking for a new life. But, but let's not confuse things. Like anybody that's listening, if they're still, if they're learning about you now and figuring this out through this episode too, like you're educated. Yeah. Well, I'm self-educated. Yes. Okay, so so like you were self educated. Did you like did you do like any high school? No, nothing. nothing. Okay, so 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 as far as for colleges for your uh, any of your siblings, like did any of them go to university or college? Okay, so so what people are are, are going to miss out of this is that the experiences when they watch your videos going around, like I mean. Uh, basically the world. I mean, I saw some treks in Canada. I saw you guys got beat up in the rivers there. Uh, but I mean, like I said, my, my oldest is 18. And I see the other people in society at that age bracket. And I worried because I said to my wife, like, they're not going to be able to survive on their own. Like if mommy and daddy aren't here to take care of them, like that's not how we raise our kids. Like we, like, it's always about uh, your actions and, 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 and how you handle and how you react to things and adversity. Um, and I honestly think sometimes that's worth more than a college degree because some people that are coming out and then all of a sudden they're expecting to get things handed to them, meaning, uh, $100,000 a year, a job's handed to them. But then when that doesn't happen, now what? Yeah. You know, now I, what? I you can look at the situation we're in now where the whole world is developed in sort of a new paradigm of how things are going to go. Um, well, you know, there was, here in America, at least, there's rap, rabid run on toilet paper and rabid run on water and supplies <laughs> and all these things. And, and uh, you really see how, as a collective, we've lost some of those skills to be yeah. able to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And so I sort of feel like um, that's a wake-up call. And I think, you know, I've run into some, I've run into some unique young people um, um, that I, I, I appreciate in that respect. Like I have a friend, young guy, uh, he he decided to take up farming, right? He went to a really nice college and decided, like, I'm going to be a farmer, right? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to take what, and I, those are the kind of skills that I think as we go forward, we're realizing we're losing them. We're losing them, yeah, man. <laughs> barbers and farmers and and blacksmith and all these things that have uh, things that are made in our in, in our environments, um, made by your hands made in a locally that don't rely on, you know, an entire structure of, of boats, trains, planes, and automobiles that bring things to us. Uh, those are some unique skills now. All of a sudden, what's old is new. Uh, I, it would be really amazing if that same thing came back to the need for music. You know, how cool yes. would that be, right? Yeah. If, we, if it was like all of a sudden there was this new unbelievable desire um for music you know which is uh music to me and i can take a line from kurt cobain and i mean that was my you know 
when I was about 13, 14, that's who I listened to. Unfortunately, he passed away probably when I was about 14. Um, but music is what he said. Music is the food of life. That's what he said. Music is the food of life. And I think what he meant by that is it emotionally connects you. Um, it inspires you. You know, it spurs your creativity maybe. It makes you think, right? Yeah. Well, today, the, you know, now that's been replaced by uh, the... Commercial. Uh, commercial. 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 <laughs> commercialism. The phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. The phone. Yeah. You're... you're, you're now... Okay, so it's the cocaine of life. <laughs> so, so you would know this now as an artist. You would know this. So, Spotify and all these type of things. I mean, I'm sure the record label companies are making a killing off, and artists are probably not getting as much in royalties through those Apple or Spotify. But is it helping? I mean, I know you're no longer like it's more. But do you know if it's helping? I don't know. I, I, uh, you I probably, you still have friends in the business, right? Yeah. But I don't even have Spotify. I, 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 I <laughs> tell you that. So that do you, you have, know? do you have vinyl records and a record player, man? You got, I, no, man. No, I, no, I, no. The I, ocean, I, probably the waves is enough. By car or by boat. Yeah. I, there's no room for record players. But, uh, I tell you what I do have is I have spear guns that are made out of teak wood. That oh yeah. Underwater. And yep. you, spin around they have a absolute perfect balance does that count <laughs> it does I know but, you know, but, but but you know what again i'm a i'm a person that appreciates um hand craftsmanship and that's probably something on your travels that you've seen a lot you just yeah. mentioned that earlier about what we're what we're missing and lacking and people being able to do things by hand make things by hand uh if you're traveling in new zealand or you're traveling uh you know any remote area and see how those people in those countries, when they're isolated, make things, create things, and survive. It's absolutely mind-boggling and awesome, eh? Oh yeah, I, 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 I cannot. Uh, um, if I if I live to be a hundred, I will never lose the image of my mind. We were in this atoll, really in the middle of nowhere, in the sort of western, southern Pacific, and one of these like remote remote islands. And uh, the, the, the lagoon is around 20 miles across and a big burst of wind came in. I mean, like at least 50 to 60 knots of wind. And I had like an anchor out, a big anchor, a lot of chain. And, and we were spinning around. Wow, I couldn't believe it. I mean, you could barely see your hand in front of your face. And across the lagoon, I, I looked at about, about a mile away was a single man on a hand-built, like, trimaran-looking thing. Yeah. And he was extremely low, and he had, like, he had to sail back. And he was by himself in the most treacherous conditions I could just ever imagine, like 50-plus, 60 knots of wind. And he was just, I thought to myself, my God, how can you possibly have the ability to withstand that in something that, that was made just by by like a tree you know and they don't even have they don't even have electrical on this yeah. island and I, I was thinking about how grateful i was to have this 300 pound anchor and to be like i felt pretty safe but i was like really worried like it was a lot of current coming out the pass you know that the island has a ring and then there's only one way in to this lagoon and here's this guy just in a 
torrential downpour, just like a force ten plus. <laughs> all his, I mean, in this little boat, I just said to myself, you know, that's it. Like anything's possible. This this guy's like it's another day at the office, right? It's another day. I was just like, am I gonna rescue him? What what's gonna happen here? What what? And he just, I just watched him go. And that was it. I was like, God, no one's waiting up. No one's worried. No one's got a phone. No one's got a tracking or GPS. And, and, the, and the world just continu- continues to yeah. evolve. Right? Like, so, so what is the most breathtaking moment you've had experience-wise? I mean, there's got to be a moment where you, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't want to use religion, but I mean, heaven, God, you know, like you're in a spot where, you know, like, Breathtaking. I, I can't believe it. Well, there, there are, that's a big question for a guy like me. There are places in the world that, I, that we have seen, that I have seen that uh, as family uh, and on my own, that I got to say, there's still a couple of really pristine places. Some of those are happy to be in Canada, believe it or not. Do they? Where, where about? Uh, I, 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 my new thing is I don't say. <laughs> uh, that's my new thing. You know, like some of my favorite secret islands i was watching uh nathan florence and like he's like just calling out names of all my favorite places him and john john i'm going what are you doing wow well, like, yeah i mean people then all of a sudden people, destroy yeah, it. yeah, so, yeah never, never thought whatever, about it whatever but i'll tell you the most surreal moment that i think about a lot is uh we struck a uh a whale in the middle of the ocean. Oh, is that the one yeah. I saw in video? Yeah. I want, I want to share that. I want to share that on my thing. I struck be- a dead whale. <laughs> and, um, you know, that gave me a huge perspective. And what's you're, funny is... You're that big. You are that <laughs> yeah. big. No, not meaning size-wise, just meaning in oh, the, yeah. the spectrum of life. Itself. The feeling of going over it and the feeling on the running gear of your boat and the, you know, the hull and then going through the boat and having all the kids in the middle of the boat. And I, I just thought water has got to be coming in somewhere. You know, we were about, we were probably 1400 miles from land. Um, and, uh, I remember just thinking, is this it? Like, is this how it goes down? It was so surreal. Every moment was so surreal. And I, I, uh, it started off so great because, you know, at that time, we had just begun to fish, like, uh, out in the open. Like, we had a lot of food, so I don't like to fish when I have a lot of food. And then, like, you know, we had room in the fridge. So I was like, okay, it's fishing time. About, you know, four or five days in, six days in. And uh, I threw these lines out. I had five poles in the water, you know, going seven, six knots, seven knots. And all of them lit up. All the lines, bam, 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 lit up. And I was like, what the hell? Doc's screaming. He's like eight. He's running around, paw, 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 paw. (laughs) And he's like running, grabbing the lines, grabbing this light, grabbing that light. And then I saw it. Like I saw her before we hit her. And and I remember thinking like, wow, this is true chaos. Like every pole had fish on. And... um, and going over this whale and then you see all the animals that were eating on this whale 
And I just couldn't believe like the whole open ocean, like how could you possibly connect? And, um, you know, I just, I, I had prepared for uh, hitting a, a whale or a container. Like I had equipment on board for that. Like a, it's like a parachute thing that goes on the outside. I had buckets and buckets of this like, uh, uh, orange, uh, pink mastic that goes on the walls. And then I have these, these plugs that expand and, and I just looked through the whole boat and there was nothing. It was just, we just got lucky. It just yeah. it was the perfect one in a million go slow. You know, like we were going so slow. The whale was traveling in our, you know, everything just was luck. Well, I have buddies that live in Vancouver and I have players with my agency that we send out to Vancouver and I've never been there yet in my life, uh, sadly, but it's on the bucket list and we've been, um, the last year or two, I think mindfulness has set in and it's, I'm starting to do things for me again and, and want to get out of, I'm not in a massive city, but I'm in a city surrounded by farmland uh, and, and I want to connect again with nature and you see videos in Vancouver in the bays. I saw sometimes where they were in a kayak or they were in a smaller boat and there's a pod like of orcas there. Yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, even just the, the 4k video, like I'm getting, like you get goosebumps looking at it. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. cause oh, yeah. you, yeah. you, you couldn't yeah. imagine it. And I'm sure being right there, it's almost like. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> The smarts of those of big mammals, all those aquatic mammals, but the big mammals, uh, you know, we swam with the whales, um, you know, several times along the way. And, you know, one time uh, we got in there real close and um, uh, in the South Pacific. And I'll never forget, like, uh, Doc and Sophia, like, uh, so close and having this big male just, like, like just hold his, his, the fluke back because they were so close, they were in between his body and the fluke. And so if he would have kept his tail up, the fluke up, he would have run right in it. And I remember thinking, okay, you're 50 feet, your nose is 50 feet that way, and you could be aware of two eight-year-olds over here? How is that possible that you are making this adjustment? And when I, I reached my hand out and, and he just gently, gently like brought, brought his hand just like, and like that same distance between us, like I don't want to touch him. He, and I, you know, obviously I would, I would never touch yeah. an animal like that. But, but, uh, but just the sense of the body, like that he was aware of that. It was a humbling. Now there's all kinds of those experience, life game changing, life changing experiences. Thing is, is that um, I'm so focused now that, uh, you know, it's a fine line. There's so many of us that have this, this same desire. And, uh, you know, you just gotta be real careful because we like, like we're kind of as a species, we kind of just like love something and then we just love it to death. And then it, it, we just kill it because yeah. we just love it so much. And it's you and me. And then the social media adds this whole, like, like, let me show you what I love and let me show you this thing that I love. But then in the end, you know, you, you see where you're just stifling it. So now, I don't say where I am going. Yep. I don't, I, I just kind of leave that to where, um, I think it's best. There are just so many of us. Uh, I think that there are, there are systems like Malibu where, you know, everyone can be out in the water 
and it's okay. But there are other systems uh, that, that that just doesn't work that well. And uh, places in the South Pacific, there are tons of islands and tons of places where it's just not designed to have a big tourism. Yeah, they're meant to be. They're meant to be yet to be discovered, right? Yeah. Or la- or left alone. Left alone, I think, is a better thing. You know, there, there's been a couple of islands that I I originally had put in my early Facebook, whatever. And I went back and sort of took a lot of those locations out and places out. But I realized, like, when I go back now and I look, like, there is a full cottage industry of people that go out there. And I know what it takes to get there. And I know, you know, that many boats in the water. It's disturbing. You know, I think one of the most fascinating things that I've been reading about through this whole pandemic is um, how zoos that don't have people in them and how the population expansion of, you know, whether it's a panda that hasn't made it in like 10 years, all of a sudden, when you got people in the noise, the noise pollution, the bodies, the motors, the engines, the cars, the buses, the, the, the ice cream man, everything out of it, all of a sudden, there's a sort of like a balance, like a new balance comes into play. And uh, all of a sudden, animals are, are mating and multiplying and, and a lot of those you know, that stress goes away. There's a lot of places right now that I think about all the time where it's just like, wow, I can't even imagine how many people have been there now. You know, it's just, it's just how, did, how did you get there? Are, are, we ignorant? are we ignorant? I don't know that we're ignorant. I think humanity as a whole is good, but I think that there is a selfish, we each have a selfish desire to experience as much as we can, and that's pretty normal like we all especially those of us that are attracted to nature you just got to watch that you are in tune and i think that's the main thing i mean you give a million people on the great wall of china and it's not going to hurt it but you cannot put a million people you know off the little islands in 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 stewart island in the south of new zealand it's uh, you know that uh, you cannot uh, bring uh, domesticated animals into parts of New Zealand. The kiwis, uh, uh, birds are so delicate. And there are ecosystems that are just so delicate that it just, you know, it's better off watching National Geographic. There are so many times, and I mean this wholeheartedly, that I like taking the opportunity where I say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to film this. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to post. I'm not going to do any of those things because this is just better off the experience and have that experience um there are islands in honduras for example that just just you know there are certain islands in honduras where you can take a whole bunch of people and it's just designed for tourism and that's great and there are other places where there's whale sharks and there's all and it's just better left alone and i think that um i think that if you're the kind of person that can tread lightly then then you you should go there but i don't think you should post if you're if you're in these extreme remote ultra sensitive ecosystems you know if if you're in the bahamas and you know the bahamas is designed to take vast crowds now it's just not the pristine thing that it was before and it's designed for it you know you put a number of boats in a bay but there are bays that i've been in Vavau that just cannot take any more boats you know you cannot put any more boats in these bays super yachts adventure yachts explorer yachts you know uh, uh Riley and Elena and, and, and have produced an entire, just a, uh, an entire barrage of young men and women on their sailboats, just everywhere. And I'm 
I love it. I think I'm all for it. It's just you have to make sure that when you get there, you tread lightly, super, super lightly. You have to be totally aware of everything that you put out. Uh, the Southern Benthic in Canada is another place that I just think it's just like there are places where you can put all the people and you can go, you know, coho salmon fishing, whatever. And then there's these sacred places within there, Newhawk tribe. You can't, you just don't go. I mean, you just cannot go. And so I think that's the balance that we're all trying to find. Everyone wants to experience as much as they can in the life that they have. You just got you to gotta watch. And, and along the way, I, I, look, I'm all for adventure. I just want people, when you go there, just pick up a few pieces of plastic because it's there. No matter where you go, the Arctic, you know, the moon, there's plastic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just think about the amount of people in the world. If someone just picked up a couple of bottle caps or yeah. plastic cups, even threw them, you know, or bagged them up and took them with them, how much, you know, yeah, we would yes. be doing, right? Like, I, I'm going to, you know, it's almost been an hour, so I just get like one or two more questions for you and I'll let you go because you look, you look like you're warm there. Um, so, wedding? <laughs> no, just like you, either that or your tan. I've been working on my tan, but you look Oh, you look no, good. I am. I'm, uh, I am. So we're, and I'll say we're, meaning society over here is peering out to you because mm -hmm. essentially you are over here looking back at society, being out on the ocean. Are we, are we in trouble? Like, do you, do you, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're looking at land, land looks at you, land just sees ocean, but you see what's, what's intruding or what's happening. Yeah. Is there a major cause for concern I would say the short answer is that we're probably in more trouble than we think we are, but uh, also um, the world is big and um, there's still a lot of pristine world out there, but that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. I do think that I do think that I'm not a, I'm, I am personally not a big fan of um, scaring people into doing the right thing. I yep. just don't think it works. Yeah, uh, education yeah. education is better than using, I, I don't want to say propaganda or, or fear-mongering people, but just educating people. Right. I think that fear, we have, that are, I do believe that we have the ability, um, and surfers are the worst. I got to say this, surfers, uh, we all, uh, we have a, a blind spot all so we seem to have a blind spot for pollution uh, in the water like you know it's 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 just so weird that we can go we can ignore that like we surf dirty water and and and, and very few uh, surfers um uh you know up until rather recently we just it's just like our natural instinct like we just we just we don't notice like that there's a plastic bag floating by or whatever and and now i think we do I think I think it's better, but as a whole, I think like surfers have a blind spot, and, I, and I'm trying to work on that. But I do think that I think that we protect what we love. That's more important. I think that if you can get people to love, uh, I think like I in general, and I'm just obviously these are general terms and specifics are obviously different than generalizations. But I don't see uh, in the parts of Canada that we frequent. Uh, the same sort of lack of um, understanding. Like I don't see rampant areas of of pollution like I see in the United States. And I don't care if it's a remote farm 
you know, on your way out, you know, towards, you know, uh, uh, any of those Western islands. And I don't mean like down South where it's populated. I'm talking yeah. about, you know, the true Western part of Canada, uh, middle of nowhere. And you yeah. just, you like, Mo Mo you know, Montana, like Montana, yeah, Scott, Arbor Saskatchewan, yeah, uh, uh, Alberta. Yeah. There's trash everywhere in the United States on all those roads. And I don't know who's picking it up. I don't know whether it's just us people or whatever, but there's just a sense of the overall that the earth is not a, um, it has a, a limit and it's a finite uh, resource. Also, a, a lot of the guys that I run into, just me in Australia and New Zealand, they have a greater sense of the value of the resources. I think that as a whole, America and the world, the, the big polluters of the world have to understand the value of the resource. Yeah. I, 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 I'm telling you, we have vastly diminished the shark population uh, around where they used to be, places where they used to be. But I also know that there are also vast shark populations where I never thought I would see them, okay? And those numbers that what I have seen with my own eyes, which is non-scientific, were boggling. So are, are, the, are the fish adapting, going further out, going further away? I don't know too many people that have spent too much time in the middle of the ocean. I don't mean like 200 miles. I mean the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Spend time in areas where I normally, the middle of the ocean is kind of like the desert. You don't normally see that level of species like I have seen. Uh, that being said, where I normally would expect to see sh sharks and things like that, it, it's, it's decimate. I mean, the numbers are, it's like, I mean, 90%. Is that, war is that warming or like, I mean, no, I know. That's take, 100%. Oh, is it? Oh, so are we talking like shark finning stuff? Just consumption, take, yep, take okay. netting, all that. That's just happening. Yep. Uh, but I have seen vast shark populations in areas where I'm real glad that that I don't see boats there. I'm real glad that. So, so, so again, it's the, yeah, the not discovered and and when, yeah. you, when you pass through there you keep your mouth shut because yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously not scientific but i have been in the ocean my entire life and i've been under the water in these same areas and i see certain areas that have come back and i've seen areas that have been ultimately depleted you know where my dad was the first surfer him and his friend whitey harrison here in southern california at san onofre i have never seen a shark ever for the first 30 years now it is just a almost every time you go on any given weekend or weekday at a, in a period of 24 hours someone will say oh i saw a great white jumping out of the water wow that's new and uh, maybe there are maybe you know uh, uh pete peterson and and ej osher and those old timers maybe they saw that too but i haven't seen it and um i know that kalal alexander out in hawaii as a as a, uh, a tiger shark uh, boat that, uh, tour that they do out there, I, I don't recall seeing uh, those, that those numbers that so uh, predictable. And yet, there are places, other places in Tahiti where I would uh, in, 
I shouldn't say Tahiti, but just in the South Pacific, where I would expect to see the mi migration numbers hugely smaller than, I, than I've ever seen it before. And that might be in connection with those large fishing super saners that you see out there, the arbitrary fleets, shark finning, all those things are all connected. Uh, it, it, we are definitely, we gotta teach people to love and that's what you protect. I, I just believe in that, that the fear mongering of all this is one side of the story, carrot and sticks. But the other side of the story is like, in some ways kind of Steven Spielberg did more for the decimation of sharks than anyone. Oh, oh yeah. I met him, I would say to him, dude, you didn't need to make that yeah. story that way. Yeah, you yeah. Know? People have fear, the fear of sharks now, right? And, and that they're, you know, like a monster, right? That's the first thing. But again, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of teeth and everything. When you see them, you could be scared. But again, in awe, man. Like a great white, like, like, see, you're, you were in the music side of it and, and got into this. And I remember seeing Paul Walker get in before he passed away, getting into, uh, they were tagging great whites and actually tracking them. Uh, on the, I think it might have been Discovery or whatever or, or uh, the Nature Channel or National Geographic. And they were tagging because they wanted to know the migratory routes of the great white sharks, right? Uh, and again, like you said, it wasn't for fear-mongering. It was for educating. And they said the same thing that, you know, that the, Paul was like, it was almost like he wanted to pet them when they were coming right up, like that they were beautiful creatures of the sea, right? Yeah. Not, not to be feared of. Right. Yeah, well, you know, dogs bite people too, but I love dogs, right? Yeah. And part of the reason we don't generally fear dogs is because, you know, uh, there's a lot of movies and a lot of culture and a lot of experiences that it's awesome. But dogs bite way more people and kill way more people than sharks. But yeah. I think that early on, you know, my dad used to say that back in his day, it was about wolves. That he yeah. was like, before people were in the water, it was like wolves were like this fear and people to go out and kill wolves and 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 you know uh throughout the world canada and 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 throughout the north, north america we, you know, we just almost decimated the wolf population then somewhere around the 60s and the 70s stories came out oh you know wolves were bitching and and then guys running around with wolves and then the wolf story and now all of a sudden we see the value of wolves and and guess what now we're bringing back the wolves i was staying at a, a campground in in uh in canada i won't say where and the guy said, well, it's time for you to move along. And I'm like, really? Why do I got to move along? Go, well, right about now the wolves will start coming in. I go, well, I'm not too scared of wolves. Go, oh, no, no son, I'm telling you, you got to go. I go, no. well, what do you mean? He goes, oh, they'll go. it's their land and you got to go. They're, they're like curious children. <laughs> That's all they are, wolves. You know, I, I mean, I've, where I am, there is, uh, you know, coyotes tend to be a little more uh, vicious and wolves themselves because uh, we do have them in our area both of them um, but yeah those are the things of uh, the you protect experience what you, love. you protect what you love and we now don't look at wolves in the same way and I'm hoping you know like I, I would love to make a documentary where I just I, 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 I hunt down Steven Spielberg and I force him to make a movie like a short that's like the anti-Jaws yeah right you know like like I always I always like think like you know like finding nemo did more for sharks like to bring it somewhat back but if we have no good examples uh and we it's, it's all fear and it's all you know that, that's so easy like nobody cares well you you could have you could have it where he makes a documentary or a short flick where you have a bunch of people who are uh 
you know, nature people that uh, take shark finners and feed them to the sharks in return for payback, right? So, I mean, that one might be worth it, right? I mean, right, right there. So, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wrap things up here. Okay. I just want to ask you, you know, amazing, amazing life. I mean, through your, your, your parents, um, childhood, rock and roll with like a hit single. Now with your own family, your wife, you're traveling. Would you change anything? Oh, God. I, I, the only thing I would change is my old landlord in Malibu. He, he said, uh, you should buy my house. I was like, well, how much do you want for this thing? This is back when I, was, yeah, I had hit records and stuff. I said, ah, I'll take a million and a half dollars. <laughs> That's my only regret is that I should have bought that house. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's my only regret. Because it's probably worth like $20 million now. See, in that I shop. That, no, you, 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 only, you only wish you had bought it to turn around and flip it now? Is that why? Or? Yeah, I, no, I probably would have rented it. And then I would okay. just have this like, you know, like endless uh, supply. So that I could just like, you know, just stay out there and just continue to just fight the good fight. You know, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. That's how I wondered how you did it. I, I, I mean, I know how you do it. And I know even people that, people that take did. you in and help too. And yeah, and, but, my, but friends. More than that, I just, I just saved up my money. I, did, I, I, I don't drink. I never took drugs. I, yeah. I just yeah. kind of like saved my money. I, 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 I live real simple. And then sold everything. And then, you know, but I have pretty much through this experience of just, you know, picking up trash. I, you know, I pretty much bankrupted my family from it, you know, it's good. But, uh, but, uh, no, I think you, you didn't bankrupt them. You <laughs> get, you gave them an education. Right. So I got to uh, live. Listen, if I live like Gandhi, I'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. So but, uh, that's that's my story. That's my one regret that I, you know, my dad never taught me about money. Like I, straight up, I made a lot of money in my career. Like wow, I look back at it, like, what did I do with all that? What but, did you What did you do with it? Uh, you know, I, I, I lived, you know, and I, 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 I um. But I you don't you don't strike me as a materialistic. You no no no. I just you know. It just time goes by, you know. That yeah. if you think about it, like 2000 was 20 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've been just, you know, I don't have any other skills. Oh, and also, like, uh, uh, it was real expensive making my kids, and like, <laughs> you know, because we're older. You know, like, like my wife and I started a bit older, and you know, it's a yeah. whole different world when you're older. And like Solomon, like he's just a miracle baby, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, I just, I, 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 I will say that I'm, I, I pray before I eat every time before I eat, because I'm so freaking grateful for everything that I have. And I just, you know, I, I'm at that time age wise in my life. Like this is where my dad like did his really big adventuring. Like all the experiences my people know my dad is like from 50 on. Like before that he, he was, People don't really know his history. Like everyone knows him as a, as a, as this, you know, older dude. And I'm looking forward to the next few years and the next, you know, this part of my life, because it seems like 
you know, I know who I am now and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's, so, it's soul searching, man. Soul yeah. searching is what it Brown is. Brown in a round hole. I think that's, I think that's the meaning of life. Like, you know, happiness is maybe the meaning of life. My dad said that. So, well, be before I let you go, I just want you to, if you've got anything that you want people to know, meaning if there's any organizations or if there's anything that means a lot to you that people could check out, whether it's to educate themselves, not to be feared or, or pushed on by educated, or if there's any uh, foundations or if there's anything that is close to you, I want to make sure that you can, you can say any of it now and maybe I can post it on the, uh, the podcast as well as yeah. the videos. I mean, we have our foundation, a little foundation that we've just getting off the ground, which is a sort of a collective way that people can sort of help us. Uh, we have, you know, essentially we have two missions, which is helping kids that have never seen the ocean, see the ocean in its larger form. And uh, there's a lot of inner city kids that uh, have never seen the ocean. You know, kids that live in Los Angeles and have never seen the ocean. And so that's been a, kind of interesting, like sort of joyful thing, seeing someone that sees that. And then obviously, um, um, you know, plastic and the, the protection of the ocean. So we started the Pasquitz Foundation in honor of my dad, the Pasquitz plastic pickup. And, and we're, we're trying to come up with a, a couple of things that help us uh, pick up more trash, more plastic pollution, rather than just having it disappear. So that's starting now and and the Pasquitz foundation our little thing we'll get going this year in the beginning of next year obviously the the, the covid's you know changed a lot of that we we um we have sort of uh, everyone like everyone you know we're just kind of like in a holding pattern but i i i'm, I'm really grateful for the people that come up to us and the people that see us and and you'll see us here in southern california beaches and up and down the coast all the way up all the way into Canada. We surf all the way up to Canada. And you'll see us. It's just a little family. We're just us. Uh, and um, uh, we, we, you just see us on the beach. We just, there we are. We surf or we dive or we do whatever. And then there we are. We just take our stuff and we, we, we pick up all of our plastic. One of the one things that we do that's slightly different from anyone else is we take it with us. Yes. We take the plastic with us. We don't yep. just put it in a bin. We have this giant, bag and we fill that bag and then we have friends in at a, at a, uh, in a company called waste management here in, in the united states and they help us we've been working on ways of taking that plastic which is true pollution and cannot be recycled and getting rid of it in uh, in their systems that they have and so that's been uh, our sort of an interesting thing that we're working on is bringing the city to the islands and also bringing some technology with us so that we can uh, take, take more plastic, pick it up and, and get rid of it there. And that, that's why I admire you. And I admire the family. Like I said, I, again, the music is when I first knew about you years ago, uh, discovering your, your dad's story, discovering your transition to where you are now, uh, your family and what you guys are doing. I have like, mucho respect for your family um i i wish you well uh you know i wish you safe travels and and, yeah. and, and health among the family uh you know it's amazing the conversation we had yes it's an hour i i, I do want to let you go um but it's amazing to be able to learn what you guys have done and i want people to educate themselves more so i'm going to share your family facebook page oh, uh, great. 
Um, I want to share that on the, the iPods on all the platforms and I will share it on Facebook and YouTube. And if I can, uh, you know, if you have a link to any of the foundations or stuff that you're doing, sure, I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me and we'll post it. All and right. Bye. There's quite a few floating babies. Where I <laughs> well, you guys take care. And Adam, I really, I know you guys are a private family and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this and, and thank uh, your wife, Tracy, for, for allowing that to happen as well. Thank you, bro. Okay. Aloha. Aloha. Bye. Bye. Take care.